disciples. And we get this. It's, it's really the, the biggest message in one place that we have from Jesus' words. And it's a searching sermon. He covers so much. And we're taking our time going through it. And I don't apologize for that. Friends, we're going through it very fast, if you ask me. There's so much that God has here. And we come to a text today, frankly, that, that demonstrates why we're committed to expository preaching. Expository preaching, what is that? Expository preaching is when we go through Scripture verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. The reason why this is important is it brings us to texts that, quite frankly, we might not cover if we were just covering the things we thought were important. But as we go through the Bible as God has given it, we go through what is important to God. So today we come to a, a difficult text. It's one that's very difficult to preach on. It's a difficult subject to talk about. But God says this is important. And so we believe it's God leading us as we study his word. And it's to him that we submit ourselves. Would you bow with me one more time? We'd bow and ask God's blessing on his word. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks and praise that we can be here. God, we, we praise you for the grace that has called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. God, we exalt you for the light of the hope of the glory of God, the, the truth in Jesus that you have placed in our hearts. Oh God, how aware we are that you have placed that glorious treasure in earthen vessels. And that is us. We are fragile. We are not impressive. But God, we ask and pray that these earthen vessels would glorify you. God, we want to glorify you, not with the outside. We want to glorify you from the inside. We want to be yours. We want to be transformed. God, we want to reflect your light. We want to be your light. So where we have failed, where, where that light has been obscured, oh God, how we pray, let your Holy Spirit shine. Vanquish the darkness. God, let there be light. We bow to you and say, God, bless your word. May your Holy Spirit be the teacher today. May he draw our hearts to you. God, may you get the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 27. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members 
than that, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than then your whole body go into hell. They're heavy words. They're somber words. The very topic of hell makes most of us uncomfortable. The reality that Jesus spoke more about hell than heaven is apparent by a simple reading and studying of the word of God. He brings to our awareness that the here and now is not all that there is. There is an eternity. And there is an is a enormous eternal span between the place of the redeemed and those who will not bow to Christ. And as Jesus peace speaks these words, he is, he is pleading with the people to consider thinking beyond the here and the now. What is the context of these words? Because the sermon is, is, is one message, right? But it's clear that the sermon has different components. Because verses 1 through 16, Jesus begins with the Beatitudes and talking about being salt and light. But then in chapter, in chapter 5, verse 17, the text turns directions. Here in the first time, we have Jesus start to address us in the first person. He names himself as I, not just talking about you. So there's a, there's a shift in direction. He inserts himself in the narrative, declaring that he came to fulfill the law. Not to abolish it. What a radical thing that was. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And if that statement somehow failed to completely astonish you, Jesus saved something for to grab our attention, all of our attention, in verse 20. He says, I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. His words, his meaning is explicitly clear here. No greater righteousness than the scribes or Pharisees, no entry to heaven. Jesus should have our full attention here. That is the meaning of his words. But we're hard-headed. You know, it wasn't only the rich young ruler who sought to justify himself. Do you remember his words? This conversation Jesus had with the rich young ruler? Good master, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, basically tells him, well, keep all the commandments. This young guy says, yeah, that have I done since my youth. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Done it. Who is this guy? Who did he think he was? Did he think he was the fourth person of the Trinity? It's such a haughty and self-absorbed and self-deceived response. All this I have done? No. But like I said, he's not alone. 
God knew many people would hear these words, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes. He knew people would say, well, you know, actually those scribes and Pharisees weren't so righteous. So I think I'm doing okay. My chances of heaven are, are better than most. You want to roll dice for your eternal destiny? So what does the Lord do to help draw this truth a little closer to home? He turns to the Ten Commandments. And it seems to me, Jesus, Jesus singles out the two most likely commandments that we are to keep. So, at least when people score themselves on the Ten Commandments, most people would say, well, huh, at least I'm not a murderer and at least I'm not an adulterer. Well, Jesus brings our, our attention to his word. He's going to take a moment to enlighten us, to enlighten all of us, especially the self-righteous. He says, whoever looks on a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. Wow. This strikes at the heart of our problem. It, it gives us a good description idea that what God is seeking from us is not a happy shell on the outside. Oh man, how we gravitate towards religion. I do. I like to like, like good on the outside. I would like everybody to say, oh, Joe is a good guy. God doesn't care about that. God looks at the heart. That is where he wants his righteousness to reign. And so, so we look at this and all of us would say, adultery, what a horrible, what a tragic, what a travesty, what a, what a, a terrible sin. But Jesus says, friends, that is what happens in our heart. When, when, when lust is at the center of our affection. Friends, I don't need to tell you. We live in evil days. God help us. We, we live in a pornographic world. We don't need to go looking for filth, friends. It will come and find us. And even, even the, the godless pagan world would admit and realize the, the devastating addictions of pornography. It's like we live in Sodom and Gomorrah or worse. What do we do? Friends, we, we live courageously in the power of the gospel. That is what we do. And to do so, we need to know what is waging war against our souls. One of the enemies that the Bible clearly identifies in 1 John chapter 2 is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is the remedy to lust? Why do we lust? Well, lust is a, is a, is a fruit of the fall. It's a result of our, our brokenness and our corruption. 
And it's, it's a contorting and a defiling of that which is good and twisting it into something that is selfish and evil. You see, we, we lust and we struggle because we're broken. And to a certain degree, we'll always need to be diligent and exert effort to keep free from the clutches of lust. Paul, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, flee youthful lusts. Unfortunately, he didn't say, flee lusts while you're youthful. No, he didn't say that. We have no reason to believe one grows out of or too old. No. What is the remedy? Catholicism tells us that monasteries are the cure. Catholicism also says that, that celibacy is the cure. Islam tells us that burqas are the cure. I tell you, these institutions do nothing to extinguish the flame of lust. When it comes to lust, it might surprise you where the problem actually lies. Is it our eyes? No. After all, the Bible does talk about the lust of the eyes, but friends, my, my eyes really are not the problem. If we got rid of all of our eyes, we would not get rid of lust. Is it our mind? I think we're getting closer. What fills our thoughts and our minds is of great importance. That is why the Bible exhorts us to take every thought captive. That is why we are commanded to think about whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, God says, think on these things. Now, this might be very basic, but this is important. Do you see that the exhortation here is to put our attention on these things? Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, don't think about these things. Okay? Let me tell you, that doesn't work. I mean, let me ask you, do not think about purple monkeys, okay? I don't want anybody to think about a purple monkey right now, okay? No purple monkeys in our thoughts. Nothing swinging from a tree, looking like a grape. Nope, just get it out of your mind, okay? It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. I, I remember a really awkward moment in, 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 our, in our marriage. Ursula and I were, were somewhere, we're walking down the street, and there was something explicit in a poster or something on the wall. And Ursula's trying to, trying to shield me from seeing this. And she says, she says don't look over there. <laughs> okay, what do I do? I look over there. And she goes, well, what are you doing looking over there? I'm like, why did you tell me not to look over there? So now we're kind of stewing around, feeling very, very awkward and irritated. It doesn't work. You know what works? 
And my wife tells me, look at my face. I like looking at her face because I love her. This is what our Savior says to us. He says, look to me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved. For I am God. I'll be your people. There is no other God than me. You see, the problem of lust is not lack of enforced standards. It's not others. It's not the eyes. The problem with lust is our heart. It's ultimately an issue of worship. We have twisted and stolen and seeking to gratify ourselves instead of giving God glory. We steal it. We destroy it. And we serve ourselves. Ultimately, pornography is not the problem. The problem is, is a distorted view of self. It's, it's a distorted view of others. It's a distorted view of God. And it's distorted view of what will really satisfy our soul. Friends, sin will never satisfy Maybe for a moment, but that moment fades. And sin leaves us more empty, more barren, and, and, and broken than before. That is what sin does always. It promises to deliver, but it always robs and destroys So what is the problem? The problem of lust? We could say three things. Lust is, it's, it's taking something that is not ours. Number two, it's abusing and misusing God's intentions and purposes. People were not placed in the world for our own selfish pleasure and desire. That is not why God created others. Number three, it is often a secret and hidden sin. And friends, this is extraordinarily dangerous. Because, because we wrongly conclude no one knows, no one is hurt. Oh, this could not be further from the truth. God knows. And sin is always deadly. It, it, it's a cancer. And everyone knows that the worst cancer is the one that is undetected. The one that stays hidden. You know, one of our great problems is this. We have believed the lie that we can sin and that there's no consequence. We think it doesn't matter because, because nobody knows. We're so blind to think my sin does not hurt others, it does not hurt me. 
That is not what is true. Friend, your sin, my sin, it destroys me. It deadens my heart. It hardens my conscience. It binds me. It turns me into a captive. It weakens you. Your sin will become a gateway to other sins to invade your life. And if you are a child of God, and and I put the emphasis on the word if, because if sin is running rampant in your life and you're hiding it, you're refusing to deal with it, you're ignoring it, you're minimizing it, you should really ask yourself, am I born again? If you're quick to say, yeah, but but Christians sin, yes, they certainly sin. We all sin. But they also flee sin. They call on Jesus. And Jesus calls on us to be ruthless with sin. That is the meaning of his words. To cut off our hand. To tear out our eye. Yes, God's people sin, but they repent. That is, they turn from sin. They turn to Jesus. Yes, we struggle. And and if you find yourself, friends, caught in the grip of sin and you you can't get out, get help. We do sin. There are many who also, though, deceive themselves into believing they're God's children, that they walk in darkness and they hide their sin. We look at this text, what Jesus said. I, I, can I be specific for a second and say, what should I do? What should I do if I'm caught in pornography? I, I, I feel like I, I, this is a, a trap. Friends, can I share three letters with you? Three letters and three words. A, B, C. Agree, break, and call. We agree. We agree with God. That is what repentance is. I'm saying my sin is as bad as God says it is. And God calls this sin adultery. And adultery is a horrible, terrible sin. It's destructive. It's hurtful. It destroys people. So we agree with God. We don't minimize. We don't justify it. We agree with God. The second thing is we, we be, we break off. We break off the source. We break out the source. If there's something that's in my life and it's causing me to stumble, Jesus is pretty clear. Cut it off. Friends, you're better off without a mobile phone. Can I be blunt? If it's causing you to stumble. Break off the source. Call out for help as C. Brothers, if you're caught in a trap, call out for help. Talk to another brother. Sisters, if you're struggling in this area, talk to one of the sisters. Friends, we are made for relationship for one another. We, we, we are individually children of God, but we live as a body. We're a corporate entity. We need each other. I mean, some problems we can handle for ourselves. 
If I bump my head, I don't need to go to the emergency room. But if I have a heart attack, if I have a stroke, I need to get to a doctor as soon as possible. You get help as fast as you can. Brothers and sisters, don't delay. One of the ways that I have been broken and I've broken off the source of pornography in my life is just getting a simple aid to help block things out. I, I actually was in touch with Covenant Eyes this week. It's, a, it's an app that I use on my, my computer. And they were so kind as to say, look, we would extend to you and your church a, a rebate, a, a, a dropped price. What is this? It's simply an app that blocks out all the filth and the garbage that I really believe you don't want to see, that you don't want to have in front of you. And so it's something that you can even share. Think about that. Families, a whole family can be protected. Um, it allows there to be accountability. So everywhere I go on the web, it goes to somebody else's email. They know. Friends, I don't want to be anonymous. I want, I want to be known as God knows me. I don't want there to be shadows haunting and, and holding me captive. So I commend this to you as a very, very worthy use of your, your money, your resources, a way to protect, even if this is not a problem in your life. You know, a friend, a friend said to me once, can you imagine going to someone's house and on the bottom shelf of their, their bookshelf, they've got all sorts of horrific books, nasty things. And they say, yeah, I, I, I never go there. They're just sitting there. Friends, that's kind of what the web is. There's horrible things there. Unspeakable things. And, and with integrity, we should want to keep a wall between those things and our hearts and our minds. This is a worthy investment I would commend to you. And this might be what Jesus meant when he's saying cutting off your hand because, oh, this web browser, it doesn't let me do this and it, 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 it's inconvenient and it doesn't work. Big deal. It seems extreme. You might even have a thousand reasons to say, well, I, I don't need this. You might be tempted to minimize these things. I, I, I say, brothers and sisters, we want to make sure that we're living a holy life. People oftentimes will, will hear this. They, they, they'll minimize what they're doing. They say, well, it, it, it doesn't happen so often. We're talking about adultery. It's okay because it doesn't happen so often. You see, God has resurrected us. He has made us new images in Christ. We are to bear his image. This will, will destroy our souls. One of the things unmistakably connected to this, right at the hip, 
is such a powerful, horrific force. It crushes so many people to silence. It's shame. Friends, do not let shame chain you to darkness. There is no shame in sharing that I'm struggling with something. That is not shameful. No, 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 that's freedom. That is freedom from shame. That is not shame. That is a path to victory, to joy, to peace, to life. Do you know where shame belongs? Shame belongs to those who refuse to admit they're, they're walking in darkness. To those that are too proud to confess that they need help. There should be shame there. Friends, we're talking about something that, that is destructive. May God help us to understand that he died to set us free. In the country I grew up in, many, many famous speeches have been made over time. You know, one of the most famous speeches, powerful words spoken, were spoken on August 28th, 1963. The words of, of Martin Luther King Jr., he spoke with passion and with power. And he cried out repeatedly. He said, I have a dream. And the dream was freedom and equality for the black citizens of America. And this 17-minute speech, it builds and it swells and it comes to a climax when Martin Luther King cries out these words, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we will be free at last. Would you like to be free? Free at last. To worship God with your whole heart like you were created to be. Yes, you want that. Oh, may God give us that desire to be able to say, I want to be free. I want to be completely yours. I want to be unbound. Brothers and sisters, we need each other in our lives for this. May God make us a congregation, definitely not of perfect people, but of holy people that are pursuing holiness, that are carrying each other in their struggles. It's not an easy thing for me to stand up and say to you, friends, I have struggled with pornography. It's been a horrible struggle. It's been a hurtful struggle. It's hurt my wife so bad, I'm ashamed. But by the grace of God, I am not bound by those chains anymore. God has set me free, and to live in that freedom is worth the struggle. May we desire that. May we know the truth. And may the truth set us free. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we are so thankful for the gospel. God, you have saved us. Instead of having to be worshipers of self, we are worshipers of the one true God. Oh God, how we thank you 
that the cross of Calvary is the place of redemption, of protection, of healing, of restoration, of light, of hope, of victory. God, we thank you and praise you. You're the God who desires truth in the inward parts. Oh God, how we confess. We long for the day that we're free from this body of death. We long for the day that we're free from living in a suffocatingly polluted and corrupt world. But God, we believe that you have us here to be salt and light. Oh God, we are jars of clay. God, we are broken vessels. But you have said, the light of the hope of the glory of Christ has shown in our hearts. Oh God, transform us. Help us, God. Oh God, don't let us be a congregation of darkness. God, for those that may be chained and bound, we pray, Lord God, turn their hearts to you. God, for those that are captive to sin and shame, break those bonds. God, may we know the hope of the glory of you. May we know the peace of God. May we know the sweetness of fellowship, of walking in the light as you are in the light. Oh God, this is our prayer. This is our need. This is our hope. This is our desire. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, let's turn our hearts to the Lord in song. Close our time together.